AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. USDA chopped away at the soybean export estimate, but the bean market shrugged it off with bean oil prices trading sharply higher. Corn saw limited price movement with futures modestly lower and wheat traders moved back to the sell side of the market. The cattle complex was higher, lean hogs were lower. Mother has fleas. Be a farm journal broadcast. This <laughs> is AgriTalk. <laughs> this afternoon, we'll chat with Mac Marshall from the United Soybean Board. Directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures joins. <laughs> I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. It's it's just hey, not fair. It's huh? it's just not fair, is it? No. I mean, no. I mean, when, when something is said. Like it's a split second before. That's right. Before we got to shut things down and get ready to go, that for some reason gives me the giggles. I'm the one that's got to swallow the giggles and, that's right. and get this show open. That wasn't fair, Joe. Pull it together. Pull it together. Uh, big, big apple, fella. Joe Stackler with a funny. I'm just sorry. before. I shouldn't we have done going. that. I, but it did sound like code, you know. And I, I <laughs> yeah. couldn't help yeah. but say as much. And mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, I can't remember. Lieutenant Flag? Colonel Flag. Colonel Flag from MASH. Colonel Flag. Yeah. Yeah, from MASH. Mm -hmm. We were talking about MASH before the show, everybody. Yeah, yeah, remember when he broke his own own arm with the x ray machine? (laughs) That's right. Just bang that thing down on there. Yeah. Radar radar about had had (laughs) kittens right there. (laughs) (laughs) He did that. Oh, boy. Oh man, today's show is brought. Well, we've got Mac Marshall on well, the show go. today. Mac is the VP of Market Intelligence at uh, the United Soybean Board. Looking for the timing to have Mac on could mm-hmm. not have been better because yeah. you look all the way down the numbers that we got from USDA today, and mm-hmm. you think, okay, geez, why even bother with that change on the corn balance sheet? Why even bother mm-hmm. with the change on the wheat balance sheet? Whoa, wait a minute. A 35 million bushel cut to the soybean export estimate? Mm-hmm. Uh, I need mm-hmm. some help understanding this. Yep. And a 1 million ton cut to the Brazilian bean crop estimate. We're talking about 156 million metric tons of beans, is what USDA is saying. And they see enough evidence. To warrant a one million metric ton change in the crop crop estimate down there, yeah. if you're going to change it, change it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I just don't get moving it a million tons, especially when Conob earlier today mm-hmm. came in just under 150 million ton. There you go. And meanwhile, we've got Dr. Cordonier, soybean and yeah. corn advisor. He's unchanged for the last couple of weeks now. Right, but he's under 150 million ton. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So 
it, it all of this is is uh, we'll, we'll get Mac to explain it to us. We'll have to hopefully, talk about it later. hopefully no Mac can explain it to us. All I right, so. let's get to the markets. <laughs> Chip wheat futures were trading lower ahead of the USDA supply and demand report and extended losses after the report was released. USDA added 10 million bushels to estimated 23-24 wheat carryover. Estimated food use was cut 10 million bushels to 960 million to account for the increase in estimated carryover. Wheat export sales in the weekend of February 1st totaled just over 378,000 metric tons. That was in line with trade expectations. Chip, get this list. South Korea, the Philippines, Mexico, China, and Vietnam, all on the list of buyers there. March soft red winter wheat futures opened near session highs. Lows low range. March HRW wheat futures 17 and one quarter lower at 601. March SRW wheat down 13 and a half cents lower, uh, 588 and one half at the close. March spring wheat closed at 683 and three quarters, down 12 and a half, Chip. Hefty selling, and it wasn't, I don't think it was because it was aggressive selling. There just wasn't any support in the market today. Yeah. I, nobody wanted to step up and buy it. Well, corn carryover was increased 10 million bushels from last month due to a 10 million bushel cut to estimated food, seed, and industrial use. That category now stands at 6.78 billion bushels of use, with 5.375 billion bushels headed to ethanol production. Export sales of corn in the weekend at Feb 1 totaled 1.22 million metric tons. That was at the high end of trade expectations. More traditional buyers here. Japan, Mexico, Mexico, and Colombia on that list, USDA also announced a daily sale, 200,000 metric tons to Colombia for delivery in the current marketing year. March corn opened slightly higher and tried to trade to the upside, but fell back to test support at 430 yeah. before closing near mid-range. March corn futures a penny lower, 433 and a quarter. May corn down one and a half cents, 445. July corn futures closed at 454. That's down a penny and a half. We continue to drift lower here, Chip. Yeah, that was disappointing price yeah. action in that market today. Definitely. You would. USDA raised soybean carryover for 23-24 by 35 million bushels to 315 million bushels. That's thanks to a 35 million bushel cut to estimated soybean exports. The export estimate now stands at 1.72 billion bushels, more than 270 million bushels below last year's total export total. Export sales of soybeans in the weekend of Feb 1 totaled nearly 341,000 metric tons, well short of trade expectations. USDA did lower the Brazilian bean crop estimate 1 million metric tons to 156 million, but that remains well above Brazil's official crop estimate of 149.9 million metric tons. Gains in the bean oil market spurred by the rally in crude oil futures helped bean prices end slightly higher today. March beans, four and a half cents higher, 11.93 and a half. May beans up two and a quarter, 11.99 and three quarters for the SAS close in July, closed at 12.09 and a quarter, up two and one quarter cents, Chip. Yeah, all right. Hey, give us the cattle closes before we get Oliver in here. Absolutely. I got April fat cattle a buck seventy seven and a half higher, one eighty six fifty seven and a half. March feeders a buck thirty higher, two forty six eighty five, and April lean hogs seventy five cents lower, eighty thirty five, Chip. Excellent. Uh, good day in the cattle trade. Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. How you doing, Oliver? I'm doing well, Chip. How about yourself? Not too bad. April cattle, they traded into that November sixth downside price gap. But the resistance at the top of the gap, 187.55, still in place. What are you thinking here? It's still in place. I've been talking with guys, you know, over the last week or so that, you know, if you were really wishing that you had had more protection on when we were sliding lower in November, December, yeah. well, here, here's a great opportunity. 
we've had, you know, almost an uninterrupted rally since the start of the year. So I think it's better to be proactive than reactive at this point in the ball game. Um, does that mean the top's in? No, absolutely not. I think the, the fundamentals are still strong. Uh, demand seems pretty decent and the consumer seems resilient despite a lot of caution flags out there. Yeah, absolutely. Seemed to me like beans had reason to go lower today and didn't. That was probably because of bean oil. Corn, I kind of felt like, hey, let's get some short covering. We got the news out of the way. Let's get some short covering in here and we couldn't get anything going. You know what? I'll take I'll take it. You know, I was going into the report, you know, I was looking at it more of a shiny object. It gives us something to talk about, but really wasn't expecting a whole lot of uh, new news there. But the fact that we weren't able to get new real bearish news, I think, is a silver lining. Maybe last month's report was a purge of the bad news. We got that out of our system. But you're right. Would have liked to see a little bit of short covering on the back of kind of a lackluster report. We weren't able to get that, but I'm hopeful we can at least consolidate here, maybe gain back a little ground in the spring, but at the very least, just halt the selling for now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is step number one in this corn market right now, isn't it? Let's Absolutely. just stop the selling. <laughs> Love it. Oliver, have a great weekend, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Oh, who do you like? Real quick. So, uh, oh, man, as much as I love Taylor Swift and hate almost everything in California, I'm pulling for Mr. Irrelevant. God bless you, Oliver. Go Brock Purdy! <laughs> we'll be back with Mac Marshall in a moment. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. They'll hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Actually, I think Dave, technically the conversations begin during the commercials, don't they, Joe? I, I think they do now, yeah. <laughs> I would love to stay and listen to the cowbell all day, but uh-huh. uh, can you finish up the news for us? Let's get the, the cotton and the rest of the beef and hog news in there. Uh, sure. Well, cotton export sales weekend at Feb 1 totaled 284,000 bales, Chip. U.S. Yeah. cotton carryover now estimated at 2.8 million bales. That's down 100,000 bales from last month. Your March cotton 63 points higher, 89 and 10 today. 
Uh, your beef exports, sales of 20,600 metric tons, featured buying by South Korea and China. Uh, there's your April cattle, uh, 177.5 higher, 186.57. Yep. The June contract up uh, 152.5 to 183.72.5. March feeder futures, a buck 30 higher, 246.85. And finally, pork export sales, geez, 39,200 metric That's tons. Good number. Yeah, sales to China, Mexico, South Korea, Japan, April hogs. 75 cents lower, 80.35. June contract down 70 cents to 94.87 and one half. Chip, that's what I've got. Dude, look at look at the Asian buyers just lining up. Yeah, yep. You know, we, we cannot ignore Mexico in this mix, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to hogs. Number two on the list this last week. Yep. But the Asian buyers just lined up for both beef and pork. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good news because... As we've talked about a million times on here, with every pound of beef and pork goes right. a little bit of U.S. corn and, and protein. That's right. Uh, same, same. It, it's uh, it's all good news when we're exporting this beef. Unless you're like me and buying beef at the meat case, and you're thinking to yourself, well, let's keep it here, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, all if right. Only more people could be like you, Chip, just in maybe in other ways. But yes. Right. Yeah, maybe in other ways. Right. <laughs> Mac Marshall is the VP of Market Intelligence at the United Soybean Board, and he joins us right now. Mac, my friend, how are you? I'm good, Chip. Did did I hear a call for more cowbell? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can sit and listen to cowbell all day. Well, it's impossible for me to think about, you know, the the ongoing transition in U.S. ag and the – in the soy processing space and, and not think that no, more, more cowbell can be part of that anthem for it. You know, as we uh, advance animal ag here with more, uh, more meal coming online, yeah. uh, might, might be time to get Will Farrell and, uh, and, and Christopher walking on the blower here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, Hey, it, Mac, let's, let's stay on that path here just for a second. And it's, it it uh, will take us to the supply and demand report that we got from USDA, and I'm going to talk in real rough numbers here. And and compared to two years ago, compared to two years ago, we've got our our soybean crush up 100 million bushels, and over the next three to five years, call it call it. You know what? That's too long of a timeline. Call it the next two to three years. Yeah. I think we can get that up another 200, maybe 300 million bushels over the next two to three years. Our soybean meal stocks, our soybean meal stocks have gone from 300,000 ton at the end of the year to 400,000 ton. So we're building meal stocks, but our oil stocks from 2 billion pounds to 1.5 billion pounds. So crush is going up. Our oil stocks are coming down. Our meal stocks are, are inching to the upside here. These are the trends that we expected. You and I talked about these two, maybe even three years ago, Mac. I, I know it makes us look smart, uh, you know, in <laughs> retrospective, right? Let's let's not do the let's not do the whole record here, but let's focus on this one, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so so when we uh when when you take a look at the report that we got today, USDA cut 35 million bushels off of the export estimate. Did that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. It does for a couple reasons, you know. And and first, let's let's start with the international side because we're in February, and 
you know, we don't have a soybean crop in the ground in the U.S. We don't know what area is going to be just yet. And, you know, last season's crop is harvested. So really all of the focus is on really two things. What's the development of South American crops, particularly Brazil and Argentina? And then, yeah. uh, you know, what's going on on the domestic balance sheet, literally on the, uh, on the demand side here. And, you know, focusing on the international angle, I mean, right now, you know, there's a surplus of cheap Brazilian beans available. And, you know, that's really been the focal point for export and sourcing as we come into 2024. Recall that Brazilian soy harvest got off to a strong pace and by extension corn planting, which follows the soy harvest, is also off to a strong pace. Um, significant rebound in Argentine production. They had the crop in Raster last year um, and coming at 50 million metric tons this year. Even with that reduction that you saw in Brazilian production out of USDA today, well, you know, 1 million tons, it's still 156 million metric ton crop with 50 million tons coming out of Argentina. And, you know, to anchor it back to two years ago when Brazil was having that, you know, disastrous crop, at the top line, Brazil, Argentina, and Paraguay were expected to have 210 million metric tons. It wound up being a lot less than that. Right. But let's just look at where we are right now. If we just have Argentina and Brazil, you know, 156 plus 50 plus Paraguay, I think is another 10. We're over what we thought would have been an oversupplied position two years ago that then subsequently got cut into. Right. So significant rebound out of South America right now, um, definitely putting pressure on price. But let's go back to the uh, to the more cowbell there or, you know, more pig bell, more chicken bell. You know, really, I want to outfit all <laughs> yep. of American livestock with bells here so we can have a veritable uh, chorus here. But um, that's that's the other part of this. As we have more processing capacity come online and crush increasing, um, I mean, this this meal and oil marketing year since the start of Oct One, we've got four record months of crush. The highest October, the highest November, yeah. the highest December, the highest January on record. So the system's kind of working as it should. Yeah. We're not exporting as many whole beans this year. We are holding more back for domestic processing and crush. And that also means that we're exporting a lot more meal. We had a record meal export year last year, nearly 14 million tons, and over, uh, I think, double-digit percentage points ahead of that this season. So all coming together, and, and you know, maybe we're getting more of those cowbells from, uh, from some of those other markets around the world, too. Yeah, 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 excellent, excellent. Um, the, and, and I was putting an emphasis on the meat demand from Asia for a reason. And I know that USB has been doing a whole bunch of work in the Asian markets, uh, helping them better understand how they can use soy protein in the develop or in the in the production of of animal protein for human consumption, uh, whether it be fish or or poultry or whatever it is. You guys have been doing a lot of work over there in Asia, and, and the the protein demand, the meat demand that they're showing us. It, it it tells us that they are hungry and have an increasing demand for the product over there, doesn't it? Absolutely. And and I think, you know, you, you're touching on this too. The beauty of it is that it's really almost protein agnostic, right? You have a yeah. lot of emphasis on the red meat markets and certainly, you know, East Asia, Japan, Korea, for sure, you know, have been huge bright spots for beef and pork exports. And, you know, we want to continue to advance, uh, you know, exportation of value-added animal protein out of the United States because that impacts, you know, the entire domestic supply chain for the better. But 
you know, let's also consider the diversity in diets that are out there. You know, North Asia is still, you know, a really important market for some of those food uses for soy as well. You know, when you think about like the natto market or the tempeh or the tofu market, um, you know, those are those are also sizable uh, markets for, you know, value added um, elements of soy, you know, not just the animal ag piece. You know, when we think about delivering protein to the world, it's not to say it's prescriptive and looks at one means of, of protein. You know, you've got hogs, you've got chicken, you've got yeah. fish, you've got, you know, you've got dairy, you've got beef. And then of course you've got, you know, whole, so, whole protein, uh, essential amino acids just in the soy itself. So right. we really like to be able to service all of those tastes and, and demands around the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's outstanding. Good stuff. Good stuff. So uh, we've got about a minute left in this segment. I'm going to go ahead and get the next segment started, because what does that mean for our export outlook for the year ahead? We're off 270 million bushels on bean exports from last year. Can it improve for next year, or do we need to improve our meal export? Well, let's. I, I, I... – <laughs> I think there's a yes and, right? I think the meal exports are going to continue to thrive. Yes, you have Argentina coming back online. They're typically the world's yeah. largest meal exporter. They'll be, you know, producing and exporting more meal, sure. But I'd say one of the benefits of this year, as we've been producing more, more meal and last year and exporting more of it, is that, you know, I'd say a greater share of countries and buyers around the world are getting to experience the benefit of U.S. origin soy meal. And the sustainability profile that it, uh, it it encapsulates as well. Um, you know, on the whole bean side, you know, let's remember as well that at the start of the year, we've yeah. been swinging with a weighted donut. You had dryness in the Mississippi, rerouting yeah. through the Suez, and then eventual rerouting around the Cape of Good Hope. So that's been really impactful, you know, for the overall export quarter. Um, right. The right. meal side, I feel good about that and potentially rebound for whole beans as we look towards the next year. Okay, we're going to talk more about the next year. What should we expect on Crush? What should we expect on Acres? That's the next big question that we've got to answer. We're talking with Mac Marshall. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check in on today's closes. For March, hard red winter wheat futures were 17 and one quarter lower at 601. March SRW wheat down 13 and a half cents, 588 and one half. March corn futures were a penny lower at 433 and one quarter. May corn down one and one half, 445. March soybean futures four and a half cents higher, 1193 and a half. May beans up two and one quarter cents to 1199 and three quarters. March cotton was 63 points higher at 89.10. On your livestock's April fat cattle, a buck 77 and a half higher, 186.57 and one half. March feeder futures a buck 30 higher, 246.85. April lean hog futures, 75 cents lower, 80.35. Get more market news every market day. Visit tryprofarmer.com. That's tryprofarmer.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. 
From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk. 60 degrees here at the Bunker, Davis. 60 degrees and a strong wind out of the south, buddy. It's windy down here, too. I wonder, I mean, is the weather going to change or something? Uh, the guy wonders. I, 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 it feels like we've here. got some. Uh, you look at the forecast; we've got some yeah. potential for some rain this weekend. But I don't think it's any major change okay. in the weather that's coming our way. So, well, sixty-four degrees and, and windy here in wow. the magical city of fountains. Yeah. All right, we're in the middle of a conversation with Mac Marshall, VP Market Intelligence at the United Soybean Board. Uh, Mac, when we take a look out to 2024, the the question that people are starting to ask more and more is, can we get that 3 million, maybe even 4 million acre increase in bean plantings from what we planted a year ago? Can we get them into the 86 yeah. and a half million range, something like that? It's 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 tough to say right now, you know, to be entirely candid. You know, if I rewind to this time last year, I fully expected we'd be looking at, you know, somewhere in that 86 and a half to maybe 88 million acre range. Um, but there was a hangover from the year before. You know, a lot of farmers that wanted to get corn in the ground in 2022 and had, you know, fertilizer access issues, be it due to price or literal, you know, lack of delivery in some cases. Uh, a lot of that corn that, you know, was desired to go on ground then didn't happen. So we saw a bit of a reversal when the uh, planning report came out last year, said, hey, there's a lot more corn in the ground than there are beans. And we saw that cut to, I think, to 83 and a half million acres. Um, you know, you look ahead and I'd say on the demand side, what the markets are calling for, uh, certainly there's, you know, continued growth in vegetable oil demands. Uh, coming, you know, increasingly from the biofuel space. Uh, that's obviously what's been incentivizing a lot of the crush expansion we have coming on. And as new plants come on between now and the end of the year, uh, that means, you know, more thirst for whole beans to run through them to produce meal and oil. Uh, and that naturally means that, well, let's hopefully see uh, an even bigger crop next year. Um, you know, there are a lot of things weighing on the markets right now that uh, I think 
can be headwinds for seeing upside on soybean acreage. Um, certainly, you've had declining crush margins here. Um, and then the translation back to the farm, uh, certainly the large crop out of Brazil, again, even though it hasn't it hasn't, you know, realized its potential that was, uh, you know, speculated in in the fall when Brazil was planting. Even though it hasn't gotten to that 160 plus million metric ton yep. mark, um, that significant rebound in production there, the availability of cheap beans, some of the transportation issues that have existed uh, in the international markets, those are all things that are, you know, I'd say weighing on the soy complex. Uh, additionally. You know, as uh, vegetable oils have become more intertwined with energy, we have soybean oil that's you know trading a little bit closer uh, and following patterns of crude oil as well. So, um, you know, yep. you have fears of economic uncertainty as the prices come down there, and that's been dragging oil a little bit with it. So, you know, those are not to be overly bearish or anything, but those are certainly things that uh, would be reason to believe that you know we don't see a tremendous expansion in the area. But you know, by and large, you go back to some of the, the price ratios and everything, um, the market is still calling for beans, at least on the demand side. Now, with the pricing there to incentivize it, uh, certainly when you look at that corn-bean ratio, you know, I think still to be seen over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we still have to get, you know, I, I think a clearer read on, you know, progression of that corn crop in Brazil, that second corn crop, which uh, has accelerated planting. Um, will the potential of that Way on our corn later in the year, and how do farmers reconcile that against planting decisions now, as well as you know availability of inputs? Uh, we'll see. I think there's upside on acreage. Uh, I don't know if we get as high as 87 or 88 million, but I think a rebound uh, to 86, 87 is probably uh, probably not a bad place to start. But of course, okay. the devil's in the details, and yeah. not to be Captain Obvious here, but weather matters as well. You know, if we've got a, a wet spring or anything like that, uh, yep. that potentially means more bean acres once you start crossing those uh, those crop insurance deadlines and corn can't get in the ground anymore. Right, right. Yeah, there's there, there are a lot of obstacles in the way of knowing what the final planted acreage mix is going to be. Uh, but, boy, you look back at this last fall, if a guy wanted to get anhydrous down, on a fall application, he had every opportunity to get that done. Uh, the, the, the the pricing incentive, it, it's it's a mixed bag depending on land cost, uh, on on which market is giving the most incentive out there to to uh, attract acres. So right now, it's still it's February. What is it? February eighth. And I feel like it is a serious coin flip yet going into some swing acres up in the northwest production areas, Mac. Yeah, I, I, I read it the same way. You know, yeah. it's going to come down to individual farm operations, what your P&L looks like, you know, what financing looks like, all of the determining factors for you know, your financial position. Um because I'd say there's there's countervailing factors that are coming together on both corn and beans right now. You know, if we look at international demand versus we look at like domestic expansion, uh, certainly a crush as well as livestock herds. You know, a lot of a lot of a lot of pieces coming together there. It's it's yeah. always a challenge, um, and I think you know this year uh, we'll know a lot more on March 31st, and we'll we'll know even more yeah. in the weeks following that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll know more in June, 
<laughs> when we get the it's eight amazing how we get smarter with, with exactly we get smarter with each passing month and uh, <laughs> and more information coming to the fore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's talk but, the but other I'll, side. But, but I'll say this. Go ahead. Now I'll I'll say this. Just you know, like to, to your point about you know, there were the opportunities for putting down anhydrous were there. Yeah. Um. I, I never thought that I'd say that like hey let's be thankful for that but let's take a moment and just have some perspective on that because you know a couple of years ago that option wasn't there you know supply chain constraints and and uh and, and just overall cost pressure so right. you know that's that's relief and i think anytime you can find optimism and green shoots in the world of farming you, you, you want to look at those so you know as, as much bearish sentiment as i might have brought a few minutes ago i, I do want to pay homage to, to that yeah yeah, good point. Good point. Let's go over to the other side of the balance sheet from the demand side, excuse me, from the supply side to the demand side. There seems to be a growing frustration in the time that it is taking for some of the crush capacity to come online. I think if you look at the timeline, things are things are kind of on on pace. For the 2024-25 to grow some more, but the real, the real increase is coming in the 25-26 marketing year, right? Yeah, no, that's when you have the bulk of the announcements slated yeah. there, and you know, I'd say in the near term, I've got no reason to be frustrated with the pace of crush expansion right now. Right, I'm you with know, you. In, in, for the plants that are. You know, coming on late, line later this calendar year, or even in the first half of next year, not doing anything really slow walked on that. Even as margins have compressed and you know capital costs have come up significantly relative to when a lot of plants were announced. Um, but those two elements, those two variables, you know, still I think loom heavily as we look ahead into 2025 for evaluating what the true incremental increase in crush capacity expansion is going to be. Um, and, and let's remember here, too, that this was always a multi-year build-out. Right. All of these plants, it, it seems like ancient history at this point, but they really only started getting announced in 2021, you know, and probably the first one was later for construction in late 2022. Yeah. So there's there's a lag on this. It takes time. And that plant is like, taking beans and be crushing patient. beans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's, there's, there's, there's time behind this and, yeah. you know, there's a hell of a lot of capital investment behind it, which is yeah. of course exciting. Um, and we, we just want to see that, you know, come to fruition, come to realization. Now, look, each year, if you're a kid, December 25th, you know, if you follow Christmas, that comes, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it comes at the pace you want it to come. And, yeah. and that's, that's kind of how I feel a little bit about all these crush plans. That's, that that's is, good truly transformative for the domestic soybean industry. So it's like, you know, prolonged yeah. Christmas over a couple of years, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't do anything to help your patients. <laughs> right. Right. Our, in the meantime, the growth in the bio-based diesel production is looking really good. Oh my goodness. Going gangbusters. Actually earlier this week, uh, I was speaking at the uh, Clean Fuels Alliance America annual meeting. Uh, we had a we had a fun panel with the Fields Market and uh, and ADM. Uh, someone's working on their sustainable sourcing, and just really talking about you know emergence of carbon programs and how we think about that. And, and you know, from a soy and farmer centric standpoint, 
you know, soy's contribution to the bioeconomy, both now and in the present, as we see, you know, soy taking on a greater and greater importance as a feedstock for renewable diesel and, you know, potentially sustainable aviation fuel. Um, as, as we see that evolving, I think that also sets up a bright future for, you know, soy inclusion in, in other products out there as well, as we think about petroleum replacement. So it was really inspiring to be there to, you know, hear not just about the existing markets that are out there for, uh, you know, for crop-based feedstocks, but also some of the opportunities in the future. You think marine, you think rail, bioheat as well. Um, yeah. You know, really, really exciting time as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, the bioheat program up in the Northeast, that has surpassed a lot of expectations on total demand. We've talked about that in the past. Yep. Mac, we're out of time, buddy. Thank you so much. Hey, now, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be on. Uh, my parents are in upstate New York. I know they're looking for bioheat at some point, too. So hopefully it'll, it'll migrate up to Columbia County. My mom's got a new case I extractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here with Chip Flory. Yo. Good conversation with Mac Marshall. Uh, Always. And it got me thinking. I think I got something here. Um, one of the quotes, he, what he wants to do is outfit all American livestock with bells. Um. <laughs> And one of the one of the demand spots that we often overlook is poultry. I've got the bells for the poultry right here. Okay. All right. I got us covered on the poultry bells. All right. Or maybe even right. like baby cows. Could have a little yeah. bell like that? Yeah. Maybe? No, you still put a cowbell on a baby cow. You still put the regular bell on? Oh, yeah, on I do. I, why wouldn't you? I don't know. Doesn't it hurt their neck, maybe? Is it? Nah. Huh? Nah. Okay. Toughens them up. <laughs> Toughens them up. Well, and... In the, all joking aside, I mean, we've, we've talked about it. I mean, a, a soybean is a, or a chicken is a soybean with a beak. You know, yeah. uh, we're going to march this off the farm. Remember they used to talk about that? We're going to march this grain off the Absolutely. farm. Well, we're going to, we're going to march it straight to port is what we're looking to do here. Um, yeah. 
you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to me how quick, and this is just over the past couple of years, and and because it is happening with regularity, you know that it's been discussed in house. You know that this mm-hmm. is a priority for them, but mm-hmm. as you're talking with uh, somebody from the National Corn Growers, or somebody from the United Soybean Board, or from from ASA. It's this one-team approach to moving product out of the country. Doesn't matter if we're if we're loading the 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 golden kernels of corn, or the soybean meal, or the dried distillers grains, or beef, or pork, or poultry. The ASA USB corn board corn growers are all talking about the importance of meat exports to their bottom line is corn and soybean growers. I think mm-hmm. it's, it, it's a fantastic approach. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it really does bring the the whole supply chain together. One of the mm-hmm. things that um, was it? Was, it was Oliver. Yep, I'm just checking my notes here. I can't read my writing. Uh, Oliver was talking about that the resiliency of the consumer. And it reminded me of a story that we didn't get to for the news this morning, if I may. Um, I might just throw this in. Uh, In December, there was a significant decrease in consumer credit usage, according to data from the Federal Reserve. uh, Consumer credit rose by just $1.56 billion, which a big number. Okay, fine. But that's in stark contrast to the $23.5 billion increase observed in November. Right. Expectations have been for a, uh, an increase of around sixteen billion. We came back with that one point five six billion number. Um, not completely. See, there's unexpected. the other thing. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the against the the drop from November to December is shocking, mm-hmm. but how the December number compares to the expectations is mm-hmm. equally shocking. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, the same report. The the Fed reported a record high average. Interest rate on credit cards. You what? You care to guess for what's the average rate on credit cards at this point at commercial banks? Twenty-one point four seven percent in the fourth quarter. That's the average, baby. See, I was going to throw out a nineteen. Yeah, yeah. No, we're two handle. We're two handle wow, now on the on the wow, average wow, credit card. Wow. wow. Yep. And so one wonders: did the did the consumer kind of see December coming? Like, oh yeah, you know, Christmas is coming again this time of year, and do their shopping in November. Uh, Did absolutely, we I think there's some of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know, to me, this says when when we got a guy like Oliver Slope talking about the resilient consumer, maybe the consumer is getting the idea. Man, we got to cut back on this credit card yeah. use. This is oof, this is getting serious now. See, I wonder if if they had built up the credit card debt for a long enough period of time. That all of the sudden the realization has hit that if you make the minimum payments, you don't gain any ground. Right. It, that could be what it is. Mm-hmm. And and the the realization that okay, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. We can't add to this total. We need to bring it down. Of course, we put quote unquote really smart people in Congress, and it doesn't stop them. Wow. Uh, my wife and I have talked about this just a little bit. She'll use her credit card for stuff that I 
wouldn't, but then she pays it back immediately because she gets points on her credit card. Yeah. I don't know if I'm buying that, but, you know, she's always said there are so many people out there who are not paying their credit card bills or who are behind on their credit card bills that when someone who actually does pay their credit card bill on time and pay more than just, you know, it's like, well, they have room to give out some freebies there. So points or however that shows airline miles, however it shows up. Yeah. Keep it at a zero balance. Use it. Use it, but keep it at a zero balance. Yes. And you can actually, you you can get some benefit from from that. Now, if if I had to decide between adding credit card adding credit card debt versus paying with cash, I would immediately go to cut that credit card up and let's not add to the debt. Here, here. Uh, but at yes. the same time, if you can maintain that zero balance, there's mm-hmm. a couple of sporting goods stores out there that are getting some business from your 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 host Chip Flory because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it they do pay some some membership points. Yep, yep. So, it pays to pay your bills. You know what I'm saying? That's right. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I just love real quickly, that. yeah. Uh, from Mac Marshall, the soybean system is quote working as it should. Yeah, and it's just taking time to bring on the expansion. That plant that we were talking about back in 2021 was Shell Rock. Yep. They started started making meal a year ago, and uh, it's happening. It's happening, and and I think it's happening on a schedule that, that should have been anticipated. National Weather Service 6 to 10 day outlook. This is for February 14th through the 18th. We've got above normal temperatures over Minnesota, eastern South Dakota, northeast Nebraska, most of Iowa and Wisconsin. Near normal temperatures expected across the rest of the belt until you get to the far eastern regions where below normal is expected. Mostly near normal to below normal precipitation. Some above normal in the far western areas. And then the cooler temperatures are coming back February 16th through the 22nd. Mostly below normal temperatures expected. We got the free-for-all tomorrow morning here on AgriTalk.